welcome to the LMTP Low Man on the Totem Pole podcast. We are your tough love work friends talking you through your workplace woes or lack of workplace woes and spurring you on to your own personal career highlights reel. I am your co-host, corporate trainer currently unincorporated from any kind of corporate environment, Katie McDonald, <laughs> and here is your host, coaching and development consultant, author of Low Man on the Totem Pole, Stop Begging for a Promotion, Start Selling Your Genius, and Tiger King aficionado, Heather MacArthur. I'm so disturbed. I watched that whole series last night. I'm a little behind the curve, but I watched the whole series, and it is my hometown. It's wait, it's your hometown? Oh well I'm it should be because I feel like I saw people <laughs> I went to high school with on that. <laughs> and it saddens Oof. me. It saddens me. <laughs> A lot of meth going on in my hometown, I'll just say that. <laughs> Barstow represent. Barstow represent. <laughs> um <laughs> oh geez um and I don't you know like what's worse is we had I had this whole debate this morning and I I you know I don't want to be a spoiler alert or whatever but I'll just say you find yourself getting so caught up in the drama of the people you you kind of it's almost like this side sidebar that by the way all these animals are being horrifically treated and like Ugh. you know while all us is which I feel like is kind of like a good analogy for what's going on right now like we're all in this like COVID-19 and oh my gosh I've got to stay home and you know all this other there, there's bigger stuff there and I feel like healthcare workers are the are the tigers of, of COVID-19 <laughs> right it's like let's not forget all this drama of like are people staying off the beaches are they riding their bikes are they washing their hands do they sneeze in their elbows and in the meantime like these healthcare workers are like, we don't have any masks to work in this like horrific environment. And it's like this little sidebar thing that's happening the entire time we're playing out our little drama. So that's my analogy for the week. I hope you appreciate it. I do. And it's good <laughs> to keep it in perspective, considering what we're about to talk about. Yes. Uh, so welcome to the show. We're walking listeners through strategies, attitude changes and actions that put you in the driver's seat of your own career. Um, most importantly, helping you understand what a successful, meaningful career looks like for you. And, you know, today, especially trying to figure out what that could look like in today's climate and also probably the new climate that's going to come out of everything. Uh, this episode, we're addressing the fact that we are all socially distanced from each other. Uh, does this mean our goals and purpose are also on lockdown? Oof. Yeah. Oof magoof. Oof magoof for uh, sure. <laughs> First of all, how are you doing? Yeah. So I, I think I love this topic because look, there's, there's, and, and I want us to be able to tackle, I think what is the two most serious things is the health side of it and the financial side of it. The, you know, I don't want to diminish any of that, but in the meantime, we're human and we're trying to process this. And for me, um, you know, I, I, I'm noticing that myself and people that I'm keeping in contact with, a lot of us are experiencing this, this switch of, I'm not doing what I normally do that makes me feel like some sort of contributing member of society. And so, you know, my, my boyfriend's a, an essential worker because, you know, he does the, the, the Lord's work of delivering chips to grocery stores. <laughs> and so, He's essential, it turns out. So he's out there every day and he's in the environment of like where the worst human behavior is showing up of grocery stores. So it's like he's gone off to war and I'm the 
the damsel staying home and writing him letters and making him care packages. And this is not a position that I was ever meant to play. (laughs) (laughs) Not your role. Not my role at all. And so he, the other day I made, I'm making dinner every night because I'm home and I hate to cook and I make made dinner. He came home and was like, this is so, and he's so excited and happy. And I just, I'm like, I hate that I have to cook. And I hate that you're this happy that I have to cook. And I hate you a little bit because, oh no, you know, but I'm a healthy human being. Don't worry about me. How are okay. you doing? Um, similar. There's a, when I don't get to go in and see the people with whom I am responsible for interacting with in my role, it's a little alienating. I mean, to some degree, a little alienating is the grossest understatement. I think everybody's feeling this at some, in some way, shape or form, right? We're used to a doing things by a routine, which means for a lot of us going into the office more often than not, interacting with people in real time, face to face, and uh, getting a lot of work done in those face to face engagements. And so it is isolating uh, to have to pick up the slack and make up for that lack of face-to-face communication with the virtual tools that we're now scrambling to understand and learn how to work. Yeah, and, and here's here's what I'd say is it's not, you're not going, because here, I, you know, I found myself to be, you know, much more comfortable being um, remote in a lot of situations. And I've, I have a lot of clients who they want to do, you know, remote uh, classes and whatnot. And a lot of times I love that. I love coaching someone on the phone. I love... Because I feel like we really get to focus more and there's less extraneous energy. And for me as a coach, sometimes I love the in-person too, but the in-person requires, it gives, but it also requires a lot of energy. Mm -hmm. So I find myself like I like a nice balance of being able to do remote and that type of thing. But if someone would have said, you know what, for three months, you're going to do nothing but remote classes and coaching. I'd be like, cool. That's cool. The difference is you're doing it at a time where everyone's losing their shit mm-hmm. and, and, and everyone's kind of, we don't know where things are going to go. There's a lot of uncertainty. So it's not like someone said, Hey, go take this virtual gig for three months and chill at your house in your pajamas. Cause I think most people, maybe by the end of three months would get a little burned out. It's that they're doing it under duress for lack of a better term is it's not this opportunity. It's kind of like it's on a very low scale it's if I get to stay home because I'm sick, it's very different than I got to stay home because it's my day off. Yes, absolutely. Right. There's a certain lo- a difference in expectation of how that day is going to go. Yeah. And your your capacity to do things is different. And so everybody and then everybody else in terms of the level of fear that's out there. And and, and I absolutely get it because I, I definitely cycle through days of, you know, oh, my gosh, the world is falling apart. And, you know, I'm going to have to figure out how to you know, sell my blankets on eBay or whatever it is. And then the next minute it's, I feel like that's the, that's the next option that I have. I have a lot of blankets in this house. (laughs) And then the next next day it's like, oh no, this is, this is great. And let's see all the, you know, opportunity coming out of the situation and a chance for humans to bond and blah, blah, blah. But you know, I also, I think a couple of things to keep in mind with this remote work. So one, it's the context in which it's happening it, you know, you can't, I think a lot of times people are like, oh, you know, that's the meme that's going around is like our grandparents got sent off to war. All you have to do is stay at home. And I, I get the sentiment behind it because yeah, the act of staying at home is not anywhere near the act of having to go to war and your life is on, in danger. 
but we're being asked to stay at home without any idea of how bad it's going to be, you know, people kind of having worst case scenarios of what's going to happen to the economy. So I, I don't think it's the act of staying home that's got people going so swirly. Like, yeah, I get it. But there's also this element of I'm staying home and I'm waiting. And everyone's saying that what I'm waiting for is not great. Yeah. And I don't know how bad it's going to be. So to equate the two, and I mean, I think that's part of the the scariest part. And I, I say that I've never gone off to war, but like the scary part of you're going off, you don't know what's going to happen to you and you don't know what's going to occur. They're definitely not equal. Nowhere am I saying that they're equal, but I think it's a little flippant to just say, just stay at home for a couple of weeks. It's not that big of a deal. You're staying at home with your thoughts. And from what I understand, and for myself and most people I coach, staying with your thoughts is not the easiest for most folks. And <laughs> especially when everyone around you is kind of freaking out with their own thoughts. So I, I, I think people need to kind of, the context matters in this. Absolutely. And the context is one of pretty complete uncertainty right now. Uh, so what are you doing personally to to cope with uh, current uncertainty? Are, are there things that you're coaching your clients through in this current climate in ways to deal with that level of uncertainty or kind of wrap their brains around it? Yeah, I mean, I, I, there, I, I've got, and I'm not saying that I do these on this consistent basis and I've been nothing but calm because that has not been the case. But, <laughs> but, but the truth of the matter, this, this idea of we're dealing with uncertainty, every day of your life, you were dealing with uncertainty. This idea that it's, it's brand new. It's something happened that you didn't expect to happen. So the reminder is everything has been uncertain this entire time. You, you, we, we tell our brains that things are predictable because we see patterns and, but the reality is, is every day that you wake up, the every second of your life, there's no guarantee of anything that you're doing. There's no guarantee that the person on the other side of the road is going to stay on their side of the road. There's no guarantee you're going to get up and you're going to show up and the person that you work with is alive the next day. Like there's, there's never this certainty. And so this idea of like, well, now we're dealing with uncertainty. We always have been. And that makes things a little comforting to me because it, it makes me go, okay, this is not, you know, this weird, like, I'll, I won't know what to do. There's, there's never been certainty. And somehow I've navigated. This is just another thing to navigate. And just because it's new to me doesn't mean that it has any more certainty or uncertainty than anything else I've dealt with. And that calms me down. So it's, you know, I'd say find the things that get you to calm down, the story. So you're really paying attention to what story you're telling yourself. So if you're saying like, oh, you know, I, I think that's what's so hard about the media is they're using so much language that just hyper escalates the level of fear and anxiety people. And I think there's this need for a balance of how do you look at the data for what the data is mm -hmm. and, and embrace the reality of what it is versus ignore it. So yes, the science is out there, pay attention to it, embrace it, go, okay, this is what we do know. And this is what we don't know. But then also invite whatever language brings in optimism. So when someone says like, oh, you know, there's so much uncertainty, I'm like that doesn't invite me to calm down. If I say we haven't figured out how to tackle this yet, that's still true. And that invites my brain to be curious and problem solving versus batting down the hatches and freak out. Well, that even elevates it from where I was going with my Oprah self, which was just go ahead and sit in the moment for a second and see what you can do day to day. Because mm. <laughs> strategizing for what is tomorrow going to look like, what can I make it look like? It's what's in your control, what's out of your control, right? Yeah. And I think that sit in the moment piece of it too, of, you know, really, I think, 
you know, so there's a couple of things I'd say. One, you're already thinking about the future. If you're freaking out, let me just tell you, you are planning for the future. You just got a really shitty plan. <laughs> so you're sitting there and you're imagining all the horrible things. Because I know I did it. I'm like, oh, and I, I'm really good at freaking the fuck out. So I do the, you know, all the businesses and this is what's going to happen. And I'm going to have to sell everything that I own. And, you know, maybe I'll have to be homeless, but everybody's going to be homeless. So then we could build a community. And if I, if I have, to, well, what would I provide in that community of homeless people? Like, what would I bring to the table? Because, uh, well, I could sew tents. Uh, maybe if I make a tent and I go to the community and I've, I like, I'm already being strategic about my, my survival skills there, but I'll take it to the umpteenth level. And as my therapist said, I'm one of the most strategic potential homeless people he's ever met. <laughs> so, you know, you plan for the future in your head and that's why you're freaking out is because you've just got a really shitty view for the future. And most of it is, if it's, in, if you're anxious, most of it is all the things that are coming at you mm-hmm. versus mm-hmm. all the things you plan on doing. And so that's that whole internal versus external locus of control. Everyone's external locus of control has just been triggered as hell right now because we didn't see this coming. Someone else is telling us that we have to stay inside the house. So there's a lot of, you know, our workplace is saying we can't do this. So it starts to feel like we don't have a lot of choice. So it's easy to go to this mode of helplessness versus internal locus of control is no matter what's going on around me, I'm always in charge of what I choose to do and how I choose to navigate that. And the thing that sets you up to tap into your internal locus of control is to have a goal. And a lot of people right now are going, well, you have no idea what the next week is going to look like. Why bother putting out a goal? Well, then put another short-term goal out. If you if you don't feel comfortable putting out a year from now, which I would spend some time imagining what your ideal state is a year from now, because that's what will incite hope in you. Hmm. And then put a plan for, okay, what will I get done this week? But with this idea that a year from now, here's where I'll be. This is the world I'm going to be in. These are the things I'm going to be doing. It, it kind of gets your brain to go, this is temporary, what I'm dealing with. And this is just, you know, one aspect of the the road that I have to navigate to get to where I'm going. And this is a bumpy road and I don't quite know how to navigate it yet. So I'm going to just focus on what's the first, you know, what's the thing closest to me and what's a period of time that I can kind of map out and get focused on. And so then when you map out what that is, then this, so let's say tonight, Sunday, because a lot of people go into Monday kind of panicked, really thinking like uh, you're really letting yourself go and go a year from now, what do I want to see? And really test yourself because a lot of people, what they don't realize is they are so bad at imagining what they want. They can only do it for a matter of a fraction of a second. I ask my clients this question, like, well, what do you want to see next year? Well, well, I'm sure I'd love to see that I'm doing, you know, everything that I wanted and, you know, but, and then they go into all the, like, I I haven't even heard what you, but what do you mean? Everything you wanted, give me details. Hmm. What are you doing? What are you buying? What are you wearing? What's in your savings account? What's your job? Who are your, what are your family members doing? Like make it a coloring book of all the things that you want to see happen so that your brain has something really tangible to hold on to so that the, it, it, you're basically telling your brain, this is what we're solving for. The stuff that's going on right now is just part of that versus all we're solving for is surviving this shit storm. Right. You don't throw the vision board in the trash just because there's a bump in the road. The vision board is still the vision board. Yeah. And the vision board, because, you know, it's funny as everybody's got kind of like, I think they, you know, like we're making a magic carpet or something like I do the vision board and then it just happens. <laughs> it's a secret. <laughs> yeah, it's a secret. Um, but they really look kind of left out like what happens to the brain when you make a decision that this is going to equal something. Mm. You, you, when you make those decisions, you make different decisions each day. 
And it, it's less about actually material. Cause I, you know, there's all kinds of stuff that I've, I've conjured up in my head. That's going to happen a year from now that never came to fruition. But then the journey of getting there was a lot less stressful and a lot more productive. And so if I have on Sunday, this kind of vision for the year, then I go, okay, so then what am I going to focus on for this week? What would tell me that I came through this week really successful? What, what are the three success factors of I didn't yell at somebody? I didn't, you know, I caught myself every time I started to slip down the whole panic mode. And there's some things that I got done that I, I've never really been able to get done before. And I really focused on that. And that's, those are things that you can control because you can control whether you lose your shit on someone. You can control whether or not you stay in panic mode or move out of it. And you can control whether you get some of these things, pick something that you know you can commit to. And then that week, by the end of the week, this is a lot of um, what happens, you know, when people are getting help with depression is giving things that they feel like they're in control again. Because when you do that, it feeds your brain to, to feel capable, to feel like I have some impact on my, on my surroundings and you start to feel more confident, more hopeful. Like it, 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 it feeds into a lot of different things and it brings the sanity to it. So I'd say like, think the long term. allow yourself to imagine all you're, you're consuming all this stuff about what's going to happen to the economy anyways. Why not sit back and conjure up your own version of what you'd like to see? You don't even have to tell you when you're doing it. Just allow yourself to at least have that in your head. That's actually, uh, it ties into a conversation that I had with a friend uh, earlier this week Speaking of coping with uncertainty and keeping your internal locus of control activated and focusing on what is within your power. So a friend of mine is currently furloughed. Her uh, her work is on hold for the time being. That's a real potential panic space, right? I, I imagine yeah, a lot of people yeah. listening are probably in that boat as well. Uh, she spent the week saying, okay, what can I control for right now? I can go ahead and just take this time to go back into my LinkedIn, uh, update my resume. That is within my power to do. And in doing so, she found something that she could drill down on that was her opportunity. It's totally within her locus of control and had a pleasant side effect of reminding her as she's writing about the skills that she's developed since the last time she updated her resume and the last time she's tapped into LinkedIn and going into LinkedIn and, and uh, being a little bit more active this week. There's a lot of people that are very active on LinkedIn this week. Sure. It's, it, she, it served as a good reminder for her of, it's just kind of a, an internal encouragement of, oh, I am pretty adept at what I do. I do have a pretty solid skill set. When the opportunity presents itself, either when I return back to my current job or I'm, I have the opportunity to go back into the, the industry in some other capacity, I'm ready for it. So it was, it, it seemed to be a real solid piece of advice to go back in and take stock of what you're good at and what you're ready to deploy either right now or whenever the opportunity presents itself next. Yeah, I think actually if if people are looking for kind of like what can they do every day to stay productive if they're feeling a little lost, I recommend this because I've been in several situations where, uh, you know, I'm a consultant now. So I've gone through some, we go through lulls where nothing's happening. I've been laid off and I look back at what I did. And when I got laid off, I spent most of the time just all day long. I didn't give myself permission to do anything other than just sit and look at all the job sites hmm. because I thought if I don't do this, if I don't stay focused on this, I won't get a job. I was out of work for a total of three weeks, <laughs> but those three weeks were yes. hell and they felt like three years because I didn't move. I didn't budge within that time. I had made myself sick. The amount of stuff that I kind of rang, rang myself over the coals. 
so now if I, as been, I've been consulting for a while, I've tried to keep a little bit healthier of a pattern. And what I found is helpful is every day, give yourself an hour to focus on, you can call it doomsday prepping. Like what are the things that you need to do in case things go kind of nutty? Hmm. If, is mm-hmm. it, is it brush up on your LinkedIn? Is it work on, you know, interviewing skills, research your, your line of work. Where are the companies and industries that are hiring, reading up articles about them, learning about them, maybe even picking up a finance book about how to invest and set yourself up. And even if you don't have the money to invest right now, how do you learn a little bit about money so that when things like this happen, you're not in a situation where finances are, because I mean, look, if someone's sitting there and they've got job security, or if they've got enough in their savings, it's probably a different experience than somebody who's like, I don't have a lot in my savings. I'm losing my job. I've been living paycheck to paycheck. Here's where I'm at. So I think I go back to, I think the finance side of this, and a lot of us, I say myself included, I I grew up with a poor family. I didn't have people who were, here's how to think about money. Here's how to make money work for you. So it's been a ongoing learning lesson, as well as how do you get out of spending mode and get into investing mode and figuring out what do you invest in, whether that's investing in stock and bonds or whatever. But there's, you know, that whole thing around poverty mentality versus abundance mentality. So those are things where I'd say is how do you set yourself up to be better, to be more resilient and to kind of weather whatever storm might be coming from there, find something to be creative with. And what I mean by that is the act of you creating something through yourself. It absolutely changes your stress levels to feel like you've been productive with something that you love. That might be that you knit a sweater. That might be that you create a PowerPoint. That might be that you go out and you, you know, work on your car, whatever it is that that's how you, you know, that mechanical kind of something with your hands, something with your brain. If you write a story, if you paint a picture, if you drew, that's part of the reason all these coloring books are so calming is that you're doing something where it's just kind of flowing through you and it's not deadline related. It's not any of those things. It's really just expression of you. You'll be amazed at how time will fly by and how much you'll feel empowered. Like, oh, I did that. And your self-esteem is lifted a little bit. And then all of a sudden you don't think, you know, it that same thing as you said with brushing up your, your LinkedIn, creating something, being creative and seeing the, the result of you doing something reminds you what you're capable of. And then the third thing that I'd say, make sure that you're spending some time on is connecting. Whatever your situation is, two things that I've seen people kind of not take as a priority when it comes to connection is one, they live by themselves and they're not connecting with people inside of their house. And they are used to the only place that they connected was say in person. And so you may, you may think you're fine because you probably do spend a lot of time by yourself. When I used to live by myself, my first thought isn't, oh, I need to talk to people, but this situation is different. So make time to have little video chats with somebody that you care about, or you like a friend, a family member, Uh, Even if it's just every couple of days, whether it's a phone call, whatever it is, there's some sort of social interaction for you. And if you live with people, you may think I'm getting more social interaction than I've needed ever because they're around all the time. (laughs) And I'm going to tell you, you know, find someone who doesn't live with you and have a phone call with them because you need it. That's part of what our workplace wives and hubbies and friends and all those, you know, things. They gave us this chance to kind of escape and just be ourselves and not be their mom, their, their spouse or partner or their sister or whatever it is, you get to kind of just be free a little bit. And I guess the fourth thing I'm going to attack that on there is the physical activity. 
And I say that because I can easily get stuck in my chair just going, no, I need to be productive. I need to write. I need to call people and email people. And the physical activity is huge in terms of keeping people sane. And especially since you can't go to your hiking trails, you can't do any of that. So find a way to, to, to do something at home or just get outside and take a walk around the block. Yeah. Something that well, that transitions into a best practice that I was curious about for you, because like you said, you have... Uh, been in an equivalent of this situation as a uh, in a consultant capacity, this happens every once in a while when uh, the leads aren't stacked uh, neatly week to week for your 52-week year, and sometimes you've got a, a dry spell. How do you keep yourself, uh, when you are working out of your home in an area where you are, uh, specifically where you're sharing the space with a bunch of other roommates or significant others, family members, what have you, how do you manage your own self uh, during the day? Is there an optimal setup for what you kind of communicate to those that live with you? How do you, how do you make that space to be productive and to follow the, those four examples you just laid out? Yeah. I mean, honestly, I've, I've seen quite a few memes of, you know, people say, keep a routine and I'm just sitting here, you know, eat more, you know, eat myself into oblivion or whatever. Um, <laughs> you know, I wrote an article on this and I said, I guarantee you the first week or two that people have to work at home uh, for the first time is just going to be a cluster, clusterfuck <laughs> of everything. And I, I recommend in there, let those first two weeks be the cluster that they are. Because, you know, to sit there and go, I'm going to go directly from the workspace life and mimic what I do in the office here at home, I think is is rare. Instead, what happens is there's a level of you want to sleep in, you you want to watch TV like you've never watched before. And, you know, you do all those things. But eventually... It ends up uh, everything that people think they're going to enjoy. You enjoy it for a certain period of time. It feels like vacation. And then all of a sudden it starts to eat at you. Mm. That there's, you don't feel productive and it actually kind of, it's almost like a slow cooking lobster. Like you don't realize it's starting to really get to you. So I recommend like a week at the most, like let, just don't even bother. Just, you know, everyone's already past that week time frame by the time they're hearing this. So I'd say routine, like it doesn't have to be super, super stickler. But some level of so that your family members know too. Like, look, I get up. This is when I work out. This is when I'm going to be doing this, and and really letting them know. No, I'm I'm sticking to this routine. And especially if you've got kids at home, I highly recommend that you keep them on a routine because they're so formidable right now, and they're going to have to go back to school. And this idea of like they just ran and had this kind of crazy time. I think they do better with a, it doesn't have to be so militant. You can kind of let them self-manage depending on their age uh, to a certain extent, but just having some level of a routine of this is because you're creating some predictability where you're not feeling that predictability in the outside world. For the entire household, kind of enforcing a a certain base level of predictability is probably helpful in letting everybody get their work done. Yeah. And I think there needs to be some level of a team meeting of, you know, Hey, we're in this together. We're sharing space. What does every person need, including the children, that they get to all say, like, here's what I need for this to be doable. And then checking in once a week as a family or as roommates or whatever the situation is and going, how's it working? What worked this week? What didn't work this week? What we'd do better next week? What do you guys need? So, you know, I would I would treat it and do a little bit of a, a, of a team discussion. And I get some of you guys are like, that's not how our family talks. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so if you're kind of left to your own devices, then I, you know, you, this is a good opportunity for you to get clear about boundaries. And I would set a schedule and ask, you know, to have that space. And worst case scenario, if you can't even have that, 
go sit in your car and get your work done. Like whatever it is that you have to do, go sit outside on the sidewalk if you have to, to get out of the house because you don't have the space. I'd say as managers, managers really have to be compassionate right now because people's broadband isn't the same as they have at the office. Everybody's broadband is getting hit in a way that they didn't expect. So uh, lots of things are getting crowded it, that they, you know, Zoom is not starting the same that it used to because everyone's using it once. You know, I had a manager who was kind of getting irritated. Well, this person hasn't responded. And this is, this, and I was like, this is just, this is really not the time you get to take a whole lot personal when it comes to work because everybody's just kind of flailing right now. I've been running some, uh, some managing workshops for my, in my current situation as well. And uh, we had a comment earlier this week about, well, I don't know when I can get a hold of this person. This is, a, this is, it's very challenging. They're not available during normal work hours. Well, this was not a situation where this person raised their hand and said, oh, I want to work remote. Everybody got thrown into this. The person's uh, significant other happens to have an essential role and they have this person has multiple children that they're currently homeschooling. So, yeah, they're not going to be available during current work hours. Everybody's situation is different. I imagine the the person that uh, the, the manager themselves, their situation is drastically different. So engaging empathy is crucial in this moment for yourself and for the people that you're trying to get work done with. Well, no, and that's, and that's where I think, you know, I throw a little compassion out there for managers is it's already hard enough to be the person who's getting work done through others and having your reputation relies on whether or not they do it. And so now you're in a situation where you can't see anything. And I've seen managers go from being completely absent where no one is hearing from them at all. And then the other side where they're hyper micromanaging of, I didn't get an email response within, you know, you should just be sitting there at the computer because they've got this little judgment of how do I know this employee is not taking advantage of the situation? And the reality is what they're saying is, I think they're taking advantage of me, which boils down to, they don't respect me, which boils down to, I don't feel worthy as a leader and I don't feel like I'm getting that. So I need it validated by the way that they respond to the email Instead of just trusting like, you know, okay, you're in this position, you have to get clear as to what you want to accomplish, what you're looking for, and then also show that, that you know, create some level of you're a team and you're a team together. The other side that I think it might even be our next topic or something that we need to tackle because it's a whole lot of other ball of wax is if the team was fractured before all this happened, <laughs> you're in a completely... Yeah. yeah, it's a it's a rough go of it. It's a rough go of it. And if you're in that situation, because I, I work with some teams that are, if you're in that situation, if you're the employee that couldn't stand your manager and you were giving them a hard time before you left because you didn't think they belonged there or whatever, you know what? Now's not the time to prove your point. Really, now's not the time to prove your point. Don't take this as a chance to go, oh, she can't handle things. Like, well, look at how bad she is. And she needs to, or she he he's dropping the ball left and right. Now's not the time to do that. Same thing with coworkers. Don't try to take them down right now because things are vulnerable and things are crazy. And maybe they are. Maybe they're showing up worse than they've ever shown up. But just this isn't the time. If you're the leader, this isn't the time to show how bad of an employee you have and how you want to let them go. Like, first of all, HR doesn't want to hear that stuff. They got bigger fish to fry. And your manager doesn't want to hear that stuff. So if you think that you're going to be able to kind of like prove your point because now all the weaknesses are going to show up, everybody's weaknesses are showing up. So you'd be better off showing up and going, hey, I'm going to be the best person I can be in this scenario and I'm, I'm going to show compassion and I'm going to put aside our differences and we're going to figure out how to get through this 
And then, yeah, maybe afterwards we still got to hash through some stuff. But right now, not the time. And that goes right back to your original concept of making sure that you're sticking to your internal locus of control. Can I control the way I show up and how I decide to extend empathy to the other people that whose boat I'm in right now? Uh, you know, this is a chance for, and this is what's going to be remembered is people aren't going to remember whether or not you beat the deadline be- or had the right answer on the phone call more than anybody else. They're going to remember of whether or not you felt helpful during this time. If you showed up as a compassionate person, and it's the same thing that they're looking, people are looking at companies, you're not hearing, comp- you're not hearing stories about, you know, how great is it that this company took advantage of the situation and made a great profit. You're hearing stories about, look what this company is doing to contribute and pitch in for, for the hospitals and look at what this company is doing to try to help their employees. And, you know, what are you doing to help small businesses? It's all about how are you showing up and, and helping the community because our petty stuff. And maybe it doesn't feel petty to you, but whatever it is that you're dealing with, it, it just is taking a backseat. And, and all of us have to embrace that. We're really edging in on a Maya Angelou quote, right? Yeah. <laughs> people don't remember what you said. People don't remember what you did. They remember how you make them feel. <laughs> yeah. And, and right now, this is exactly what's going to, it's going to hit. And if they feel like you tried to take advantage of the situation in some way to either push your agenda or to put someone in their place or any of those things, it's not going to help your credibility. It's not going to help people. That is going to be the thing that they remember moving forward when all the dust settles and things are are in their place. They're not going to go, you know, and maybe you've got some great forgiving people who go like, hey, that was just a rough time. But if you had a rough relationship before all this and you continue to double down on it, hmm. you're not going to come out of this in a positive way because anyone watching it, even if they were on your side about it, where, yeah, no, that person was a jerk. Everyone's got stress limits. Everyone's got all this other stuff that they're dealing with, what's happening with their spouse, what's happening with their kids. And they don't have time for the drama. Like this is where the drama has to be put aside because there's way too much going on out there in the news already. So the tolerance and the room for it, what I find is a lot of times offices are ripe with drama because they don't have enough big stuff really going on. (laughs) And so they just kind of start to cannibalize themselves. And we create the drama to kind of feel like we're involved in something. Well, we're involved in a lot right now. So there's no need for the petty drama. Put it to the side. Figure your interpersonal stuff out. Either try to make it better. You know, this might not be a bad time to pick up the phone and say, hey, Katie, we've had some rough things. And I know things are rough right now. But maybe you and I can have a video conference and talk about this because things are at a pause. But you got to be really in a place. And they've got to be in a place where they're open for that. And, you know, you got to be sensitive to they may be going through a whole boatload of stuff at home and this isn't the best time for that. But other than that, just drop it, drop it, because you might be amazed what might happen through all this and they might show up for you in a really great way. And some of the stuff that you had issues were could completely disappear. So maintain the internal locus of control, set and keep a routine when you're ready to do it and drop the drama. Agreed. I think those are solid, uh, solid plans for the first part of this social distancing <laughs> shelter in place. Uh, part one of our exploration of best practices. I think there's still a lot to cover in uh, most likely next month's episode, which will possibly still be dealing with the same subject matter. <laughs> I'm going to say next month when we're at the tail end of all this. Okay. And we get to talk about what lessons we learned. That's okay. my pretty not there. Let's my do it. Juju. 
that's our vision board is lessons learned on the other side of it. <laughs> yes. Yes. That's my vision board. Look, I'm not saying by Easter, we're all going to be up and running. Don't take that that way. But I'm no. Saying- <laughs> <laughs> but let's hope we've collectively made some game plans and, uh, and checked in on our own internal lo- locuses, loci, lo- Loki. Lo- Loki. Let's Loki, Loki of control. <laughs> Loki of control. <laughs> uh, well, speaking of which, we want to hear from you. What is within your locus of control right now is reaching out and letting us know what's on your mind to talk about for the next uh, the next round. So if you have a question or a story you want to share that has to do with anything we talked about on this episode, on previous episodes. If you want to hear us discuss something that's on your mind uh, outside of what's currently happening in the world today, or if you want to just tell us what you think, uh, tweet us at LMTP Consulting. You can also message us on Instagram, low man on the totem pole, all one word. I can attest it is an excellent follow. Uh, or email us at lmtppodcast at gmail.com. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. And not just because you didn't have a choice, uh, because we're all sheltered in place right now. We know you always have a choice. It's always within your locus of control. <laughs> so thank you for spending your hunker down time with us. Exactly. Much appreciated. (laughs) See you next time. Bye. Bye.